I'm taping this podcast on February the 21st, 2022, and as I'm getting ready to pull up my notes, this pop-up news bulletin pops up on my laptop screen. Yep, Russia looks like it's going into Ukraine. There's no doubt these are scary, stressful, and has been said many times before, unprecedented times. But even despite these uncertainties, we will hold fast to our life calling. We will continue to take care of the sick and those who are afraid and those who need our medical attention. This is Clinical Pearls. Does your labor and delivery unit offer the ability for patients to labor in water? Or what about actually delivering the child underwater? Yep, that's called water immersion births. Listen, this whole issue of water therapy during labor has actually come a long way. And while we've made some progress, there's also some controversial aspects to it. In January 2022, the American Academy of Pediatrics actually released a committee statement on this whole issue. And they actually took the side of the American College of OBGYN. However, both of those organizations are slightly at odds with the American College of Nurse Midwives. So in this podcast, let's take a look at this issue because it's not unusual for patients to ask about water immersion during labor or even during delivery. Ready? Let's cover water immersion births in this session. On January the 24th, 2022, the American Academy of Pediatrics Committee on Infectious Diseases, along with their Committee on Fetus and Newborns, released a report to help educate healthcare professionals regarding alternative perinatal practices. The goal was to provide information to help with counseling as well as manage neonates who may be exposed to these practices. Oh, if you're a fan of birthing in water, listen, don't send me a message because I called it, quote, alternative perinatal practices, end quote. It's not my term. That's something that's been adopted by both the AAP and the ACOG. Hey, I have no beef with laboring in water. And I'm going to get into my specific viewpoints and my perspectives there in a minute. But please don't be mad if I called it alternative perinatal practice and you're a big fan of it. It's not my phrase. It's that of the AAP and the ACOG. So blame them. Well, now that we've cleared that up, let's talk about water immersion for labor and delivery. Water immersion can be used in two ways in labor and delivery. The first is as a pain reduction tool intrapartum, and then there's the actual birth process. The latter is referred to as water immersion birth. Water immersion birth refers to giving birth in warm water with the goal of creating a gradual transition from the in-utero environment to the extrauterine life. It also helps to decrease stress and increases the comfort for the pregnant mom giving birth. Most birthing centers have birthing tubs, and there's also some increased interest for birthing hospitals to have tubs, usually used for laboring patients. Planned water births may also occur within the home, sometimes with midwives in attendance. At this time, there's no data that's available on the number of water births that occur in the U.S. Now, in general, in the United States, most have adopted this guideline that if it's going to be done, it should really be limited to pregnancies at 37 weeks or greater. And that's because preterm labor is obviously high risk and has its other set of issues. Well, let's take a look at the current data regarding the first stage of labor and water immersion. In other words, when it's used as an intrapartum tool, mainly for pain reduction. 
water immersion in the first stage of labor can produce some pain relief. I mean, it's hydrotherapy, right? I mean, that feels good on sore muscles. Well, definitely feels good during labor. Studies have found that women who relax in a warm tub or shallow pool during the early stages of labor tend to use epidural anesthesia slightly less than those who don't. Now I know what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. What's wrong with labor epidurals? Well, my answer? Nothing. I think they're great. But remember, there are some, although rare, but there are some contraindications to it. I mean, what if they've had spinal fusion in the past or they've got thrombocytopenia? I mean, these things do happen. Or more commonly, she just doesn't want one. Well, those women shouldn't suffer. I mean, water therapy, hydrotherapy during labor is a good alternative. Well, outside of the potential for pain relief, there is another reason why hydrotherapy in the first stage of labor can be helpful. There is data that women who have water immersion during labor, they tend to have shorter lengths of labor. Now, it's not like hours shorter, but some data show that it can be from 30 to 32 minutes shorter for the first part of labor. Now, remember, we're not talking about the second stage of labor. We're talking about from zero up to 10 centimeters, the first stage of labor. Also, the data show that there's no impact on the overall mode of delivery. So it's not going to prevent a C-section, but it doesn't make your risk of C-section any higher as long as you're a general risk or a low-risk patient. Specifically, regarding the second stage of labor, according to the AAP and ACOG, there's just no real benefit of having the child while you're immersed in water. There's no benefits noted. But there are some real potential risks, and we're going to talk about it. So once again, hydrotherapy or using water immersion for the first stage of labor, not controversial at all, according to the AAP and ACOG, but neither of those two likes water immersion births. That is different from the American College of Nurse Midwives. And we're going to talk about those differences here coming up in just a few seconds. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market well this isn't for everybody while less pain and shorter labors are nice benefits water immersion is not for everyone for some water immersions can make it difficult or impossible for labor to happen safely In general, the medical consensus is that a patient may qualify for water immersion if there's no need for constant monitoring during labor, because continuous fetal monitoring, either external or internal, obviously cannot occur in water. Also, as we've already stated, the patient should have reached the gestational age of at least 37 weeks. Women in preterm labor do not qualify because their babies need to be monitored continuously and preterm deliveries tend to be rapid. And because of that, we absolutely do not want these babies to be born in the tub accidentally. Some may not qualify for water immersion if they have an epidural in place or if a patient has some medications that can make the patient super sedated. There's also a risk if there's a blood-borne infection in the mom. In other words, if the mother has hepatitis or HIV, that's considered a contraindication. In that case, getting into the water may increase the risk of exposing the child or healthcare team to the infection. 
Also, if there is any medical or obstetric complication, including preeclampsia or vaginal bleeding or a multifetal gestation, then water immersion in general is frowned upon. Now, even though each facility can have their specific policies and guidelines, these are things in general. Now, here's one that I thought was a contraindication, but it actually isn't. If the amniotic sac is ruptured, in other words, if her bag of water is, is gone through amniotomy or spontaneous rupture, that actually is not a contraindication by itself. Now, a quick word about amniotic sac being ruptured. While every institution may have its own take on that, remember this is in general that having ruptured membranes is not a traditional contraindication to water immersion intrapartum. All right, podcast family. So now that we start getting towards the end, let's talk about this whole controversial part, okay? So here's a big clinical pearl. We've already said that ACOG and AAP acknowledge benefit in the first stage of labor, but both advise caution regarding its use in the second stage due to insufficient evidence with case reports of complications being shown like hypothermia, near drowning has been reported, and there's been cases of respiratory distress and neonatal infection. The ACOG does give specific areas of concern regarding water immersion birth in its statement on water immersion and delivery. ACOG states that some of the concerns has to do with proper disinfection of these pools, especially if they use water jets, because those can be sources or nidises of infection. Also, it's hard to standardize water temperature, so hypothermia or hyperthermia are real risks to the neonate. Now, I want to move over to the AAP statement, but I don't want to leave the ACOG review without leaving a brutal, I mean, it's kind of brutal, line in its committee opinion regarding this issue. It's not mine. This is from the ACOG committee opinion number 679 regarding water immersion birth. It states, quote, It is a recommendation of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists that births occur on land and not in water, end quote. And specifically from the AAP, that organization states, quote, families should be cautioned against water birth during and past the second stage of labor in the absence of any current evidence to support maternal or neonatal benefit and with reports of serious and fatal infectious outcomes in infants. It also goes on to say that midwives and obstetricians offering this option must ensure that appropriate infection control strategies are in place in order to reduce the risk of infection to the child, end quote. So that sounds pretty straightforward, right? But wait, there's more. So those sound pretty bad. So why would I say that's controversial? It's controversial because it depends on who you read. The American College of Nurse Midwifery actually has a softer side to that because they still feel that the benefits more for maternal comfort are just so much higher. But again, that's controversial. According to the American College of Nurse Midwives, those words, those are fighting words. According to its rebuttal to this ACOG and AAP statements, the ACNM states, quote, ACNM believes that these opinions still do not accurately recognize women's desire for access to this option, meaning water birth, nor does it reflect the large and growing body of research that supports water birth as a reasonable choice for healthy women experiencing normal labor and birth, end quote. 
And finally, the ACNM gives a final blow to the AAP and ACOG in its closing statements. The ACNM states, The American Association of Birthing Centers and the Royal College of Midwives have all released statements endorsing water birth as a safe, evidence-based option. There's a contrast to ACOG and the AAP. Well, as we come to the end of the podcast, I told you that I would give you my personal perspective. Well, here it is. I think the data is fantastic on the use of hydrotherapy for those who want it as an intrapartum pain and stress reducing tool. I think it's fantastic. Now, even though I realize that the ACNM is very pro water birth, that still makes me a little bit hesitant and a little nervous. So I do need to err on the side of caution and stick with ACOGS and AAP's recommendation to allow hydrotherapy for those who qualify as a pain reduction tool. But I think, like the college said, birth should occur on land and not in water. And if you feel different, that's okay. Please don't send me an ugly message because we're all one family and it's okay to have different opinions. So once again, I hope you found this helpful. We've covered water immersion in labor and water immersion births. As always, thanks for being part of our podcast family and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.